Ranjit Bra on US imperialism, 9-11, and the War on Terror. Two decades on from the launch of the USA's War on Terror, it is unarguable that the world is less stable and people less safe than ever. So what was it really for? In this interview, Comrade Ranjit Bra explains. Was there a pre-existing plan to attack Iraq before the 9-11 attacks? I think, well, I think the clearest indication that there was a pre-existing plan to attack Iraq prior to September 11th, 2001, was of course the fact that the original invasion of Iraq had taken place in 1990-1991 under George H. Bush uh, at that time, uh, whilst um, Saddam Hussein was much weakened and Iraq was much weakened and the oil for food uh, program of quite draconian sanctions was installed upon Iraq and famously Madeleine Albright of course at that time said it was worth the pain inflicted on the Iraqi people in particular the half a million children who died of malnutrition and related diseases due to those sanctions Madeleine Albright quite clearly said Yes, it was worth it. So there was obviously a pre-existing plan to invade Iraq. In terms of the 2003 invasion, um, there had been a, a plan. General, General Wesley Clark gave an interview, um, which he quite clearly said in around the 2001 attacks when he was visiting Rumsfeld and Wolfowitz in the Pentagon. They clearly intimated him a plan not only to attack Iraq, but in fact the list of seven other countries in the immediate future. Um, and those countries were uh, Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, Libya, uh, Somalia, Sudan. Um, and of course, that you can cite a, a host of others, including Yemen, that have been attacked. But actually, if you look in the, in the following years, every single one of those countries was the victim of US aggression, interference, targeted bombings, um, and operations for regime change. Without the 9-11 attacks, could USA have launched its wars against those sovereign countries, as outlined by Wesley Clark? And do you think 9-11 was therefore a false flag, or an inside job, that the Americans, or some part of its security apparatus, committed against themselves to justify those wars? Of course, Iran was the final country on that list of seven, um, and has been also uh, subject to continual interference uh, and attack, um, which is ongoing to this day. Uh, in terms of whether 9-11, uh, September 11, the attacks on the Twin Towers, Pentagon and White House, because let's not forget it was all three sites that were initially attacked, um, were uh, a useful justification. They were certainly used as a useful justification. Were they necessary to justify those acts of aggression by the United States? Personally, um, whilst they were clearly, you know, they, they pitched their media to a level of hysteria and hyperbole, not seen before or since and pivoted towards the war on terror as justification for all of their aggressive um, operations abroad. In fact, that, that, that was nothing new in a sense. And really the Monroe Doctrine since 1847 had declared, you know, US uh, right 
to dominate the Western Hemisphere, the Americas as their own uh, territorial uh, sphere of interest, as their own colony, their de facto colony, their, their, their zone to exploit. Um, you know, it was in the aftermath of the collapse of the Soviet Union, really, uh, that the United States and Bush, uh, after Reagan, had really said there would be a new world order. This was the era in which America would be a world policeman, in which they would really come to now dominate the globe. And that Eulipolar moment, as, as we can call it, is a his, historical moment, has been continuing to this day. So was September 11th used uh, by the United States establishment? Absolutely. Um, did they need that to justify their aggressive and hostile actions? Well, if you look at the American history, there have been perhaps four or five years in the total history of America when they've not been at war with one or another country. Um, it's a country founded on genocide, essentially, uh, and an empire founded upon ongoing uh, bloodshed. There's not really been a single day's peace since the Second World War. America has been continually at war with other nations around the globe. So my personal feeling is that while they used it to their own advantage, they, they um, spun the media uh, into a state of frenzy, they would have done exactly the same had September the 11th not occurred. What would you say were the biggest benefits of the invasion of Iraq for the US government? How much did they profit and in what areas? That's, that's a very good question. So the, the precise figures of the profits made by the US state and in particular US companies you know, are hard to calculate. They will certainly run into hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars. And that will be the direct looting of Iraq's oil, which was the fundamental reason for going in. Saddam Hussein, of course, was threatening to um, uh, flout US diktat, no longer comply with producing the necessary quantities of oil at the necessary prices. Um, in the interests of the US and rather was going to cooperate with OPEC. Uh, so they lost control of Saddam Hussein and this very important uh, Iraq has perhaps 10 to 15 percent of the world's proven oil reserves uh, as, have, as has other important countries of course including Iran and Kuwait, uh, Saudi in the region. Um, what were the other things they benefited from? So the, the war itself, the incredible military expenditure, US has a, a military budget of 850 billion dollars per annum on military, more than enough to solve the vast majority of the world's problems in healthcare, in nutrition and in housing. But of course, that money is not dedicated to solving those problems, but to reinforcing America's exploitation of the world and their exploitative position. But Lockheed Martin, Boeing, and um, so many US defense contractors and uh, companies made literally a killing, but absolute fortune uh, in monetary terms from the war itself um, and from the sales of weapons to the American government, to the British government, to the coalition of the willing so-called um, and to other nations based on their testing uh, of weapons on an army which relatively speaking you know was absolutely unable to defend itself against this huge onslaught of the world's uh, largest industrial powers under the NATO umbrella. Um, in addition to that, of course, um, there were huge contracts for reconstruction and occupation uh, of Iraq over an extended period of time. And given the size of the bases and, and contractors who still operate in Iraq, you can see that those profits and loot are ongoing. And of course, ultimately, all of the money to pay for all of those operations came in addition to an extent from the American taxpayer, overwhelmingly from loot extracted from the Iraq. 
Uh, and that includes, incidentally, the confiscation of the gold bullion reserves of the central bank. So however you look at it, you know, this was an absolute, um, not even a neo-colonial, but a, but a classical colonial operation of plunder, which meant that Iraq went from being one of the most prosperous countries on earth, more prosperous than most southern European nations, more prosperous than Spain, arguably more prosperous than Italy, certainly more prosperous than Greek, uh, Greece, to being one of the poorest countries on earth where chaos still rules. And this is precisely, of course, the intended desire, because while that chaos rules, while the Iraqi people can't demand the repatriation of their oil wealth, that looting continues. Can you explain to us the concept of war on terror? and how it served those who instigated this concept. So after Reagan had really achieved um, the disarmament and dismemberment of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc, uh, NATO really had no raison d'etre. NATO was an anti-Soviet, anti-communist alliance of the largest imperialist powers. But of course, those countries didn't stand for freedom. They stood for global domination. That's precisely the reason that the Soviet Union had been the biggest obstacle to them and their greatest threat. But once the Soviet Union was no longer there to keep those forces in check, they really ran riot. This concept of the war on terror was a very useful device uh, to justify, to find a new enemy, to justify the reason for not only ongoing military expenditure, ongoing uh, NATO alliance, but in fact its constant expansion. As we've seen, NATO has been expanding right up towards the borders of Russia and China. So global domination, in fact, was the name of the game, but that was portrayed, you know, as America was a victim, America was the great upholder of democracy, America would be the world's policeman, it was America's mission to go and impose, you know, democracy, the free market, and institutions of NATO, EU, and other military alliances, essentially that served their own military and economic machine. So this essentially was making the world safe for the penetration of American capital, but you know, war after war after war was fought against people after people to stop them having independent governments that would put the interests of those nations first. And this list of seven nations that we've discussed are just part of that because, you know, we've seen wars in Europe, in Yugoslavia, and right now, obviously, the war in Ukraine, which is a proxy war of NATO to dominate the resources of Ukraine and also to isolate further and try and attack Russia and similarly against China. So we've seen these attacks throughout the world. You know, and the war on terror was a device to make the people at home feel under threat and get behind the war aims, to fill them with Islamophobic rhetoric, uh, racist rhetoric, but also feeling that they themselves and their way of life was under attack. And that was extremely helpful, obviously, in cementing um, an alliance between a corporate elite who really have nothing in common with the mass of the American people in terms of their common interests, but getting the American people through their sense of patriotism and loyalty to stand behind them and ultimately to fight those bloody, unjust, terroristic and illegal wars. What were some media tools that were used in brainwashing the audience into accepting the invasion of Iraq? Can you give us some specific examples? So there was an interesting movie at the time, um, of the Iraq war, so shortly after the Iraq war, examining the way in which Tony Blair manipulated the media, um, called Manufacturing Consent, and based on a documentary, I think, written by Noam Chomsky. But, you know, the, we're very familiar now with the 24-hour news cycle, with the fact that there is complicity of media and government, that they don't do 
investigative reporting, even of the kind that they used to produce, say, during the Vietnam War, questioning the narrative, exposing the lies, but rather um, embedded reporting. So it was around the time of Iraq War that it became standard for CNN journalists, BBC journalists, not just to report, but to report from within, embedded within the imperialist army waging that war. So inherently one-sided approach. We saw, you know, so-called precision-guided missiles, pictures from the tips of bombs being dropped on the people of Iraq, going down chimp, destroying facilities, destroying tanks. So it was impersonalized. We didn't see the bloody carnage and destruction caused by a war of occupation. We didn't see the, the pain and suffering of the victims, certainly in Iraq or other countries that we've invaded. We constantly saw um, media spin to show us that in fact we were, our troops were fighting for justice. Uh, they were fighting for humanitarianism. They're fighting for the people. I mean, there was a very classic example of a statue of Saddam Hussein being pulled down, which was filmed, and this was meant to be an uprising of the masses uh, um, to overthrow Saddam. As we know, that was totally staged with a few stooges dancing around in the streets and a US tank pulling down that statue. So a narrative that makes it look like there's a popular revolt against the target of our aggression, in that case of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, but you know, you can go through different stories for every single one of the countries. Manufacturing of consent, manufacturing of a narrative purely for the camera, which is totally divorced from the reality on the ground. The reality is that actually the vast majority of the people of the countries we've attacked have been disadvantaged economically, been politically disenfranchised, um, have had their lives cut short, have had their standard of living curtailed, by our intervention, and that has been to enrich our governments and the corporate elite in our countries. Um, but the media tell a totally different story, and they do so because the billionaire class who control the media are absolutely complicit in that project of global domination, which was the you know initial basis, the doctrine upon which uh, the plans for invasion themselves were created and put forward. Would you say that the war on terror has lessened the likelihood of terrorist attacks? Why or why not? Far from it. The so-called war on terror, i.e. the interference of US, British, NATO troops in country after country around the globe, particularly at the stage that they've used proxy um, uh, forces and they have armed, empowered proxy forces to perform suicide attacks. Um, you know, manufacture IEDs, have bombings of mosques, schools and hospitals in those countries. We can think of Syria, we can think of Libya, we can think of Iraq, particularly at the point at which they manufacture chaos uh, in order to uh, disable the population of the countries which they're uh, invading and occup occupying. They've unleashed those forces on a global scale. So far from making our streets safer, you know, the, inevitably the very forces particularly if you look at IS, particularly if you look at the Wahhabist uh, terrorists that, that have been used to destabilize Syria in particular, um, uh, Chechnya, uh, 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 Libya. Um, in fact, it was the, so a terrorist from the Libyan Islamic fighting group uh, who was used by our MI5 and MI6, who were given a free pass to come and go between Britain and England, who was probably dropped off in Libya by 
the British Navy, repatriated and given a free pass to come back with his weapons training and all of his antisocial behaviour back to Britain, into Manchester, who in fact performed the Manchester bombing arena at the Ariana Grande concert, killing the citizens you know, of, of British working class youth. And you, you can see that pattern repeating itself again and again. You know, it is those group of terrorists um, who precisely were created to perform those antisocial uh, acts and crimes to destabilise and overthrow progressive governments in their respective countries have in fact, when they become disillusioned and losing those battles, been repatriated back to imperialist countries who have committed those atrocities again and again on our streets. So we have suffered precisely because of our government's destabilisation of other nations and the creation of this most destructive force, quite apart from the economic destabilisation and impoverishment of hundreds of millions and billions of people around the globe, which have directly happened because of the you know, economic interference and political military interference of our governments in other countries. And finally, how have American people been affected by their government's interventions? Would you say they feel safer as a whole or not? Please explain. So America has an increasingly militarised state. Um, you only have to look at any of their massive waves of protest that we've seen, whether that's the Black Lives Matter protests in response to individual racist killings, uh, whether that's the Flint uh, protests, um, to see the extent to which the police force really resemble the army of occupation that the US puts into other countries. They have the same vehicles, their police wear the same body armour, they have the same high-power rifles and weapons, and their SWAT teams, their special weapons assault teams are unleashed with tremendous ferocity uh, against demonstrators in America. So the fact that America has a huge military machine, huge military budget, you know, is also reflected on the social conditions that American people feel. More than that, the entrenchment of the corporate elite at the head of American society uh, has captured American politics and meant that their so-called democracy really only ever represents the policies, interest, will of that tiny corporate elite and has really left the American people increasingly impoverished, increasingly disenfranchised, increasingly without the benefits of most basic health um, and education needs. You can look at the, the, the poorest 20 to 40 percent of their population and really see they live in extremely poor conditions uh, despite America's looting of other nations abroad. So their entire um, system of capitalism on steroids, of the domination of a corporate elite has led to very poor conditions of life for the American people and of course it's those people who are more and more dragged into the military who are sent to fight those wars abroad are most likely to fight to, to face uh, the consequences uh, thereof uh, and the current trajectory of course of constantly encroaching upon in particular uh, China and Russia but also other Eurasian countries Venezuela, Iran, uh, you, know, you, you, you name it, any country with an independent stance which seeks to help their own people um, puts them on a trajectory increasingly that heads towards global war, possible world war, global further nuclear war. Really, America is playing with fire and ultimately the American people will pay the consequences uh, of the criminal actions of their own 
political regime, which spans Democrat and Republican. Thank you, Comrade Brown. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history, and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe, and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources, and we need workers' support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.